Hi and welcome to Andy Gorman Golf One Putt Podcast and we're here at round two and hole 35 of the two series that we've done so far. It's incredible, I can't believe we've done nearly two rounds, Gareth. Um, but we're, uh, we're talking today on um, Riviera and the, uh, <laughs> the interesting setup of the golf course, the iconic venue that it is, you know, the history of Hogan and See Tiger, although he's never won a tournament there, but um, you know he's hosting the event this week. Uh, with obviously the two feature players, which would be you know Max Homer and um, Tony Finau, and Andy Gorman's thoughts on what went mm-hmm. on over the weekend. A little bit of weather as well was thrown in the mix, which is always good. Looking at some putter designs and uh, a thank you tribute at the end. We'll tell you more. Hi Gareth, how are you? Yeah, really good, Andy. How are you? Yeah, good, good. I've uh, I've had an interesting weekend, really, but um, you know, nothing major to share about. We had great live on Friday, of course. Um, but um, yeah, did it's. You, uh, did you get your walking you know, boots golf. on? Uh, we didn't. No, um, it just weather, time. Yeah, we've just got a nice busy weekend. You know, sort of got a load of stuff done. Um, new, new, new beginnings with Becky for, her, you know, for her new job, and so you know, a lot of organising to do. So, um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting, really. Brilliant. And then hopefully we'll get some good news today about golf returning in the UK. Um, everybody's yeah, I'm hoping so. I mean, you know, it's still looking like it'll be the end of March. Mm-hmm. Because I think if we go, you know, end of March, then when's the coaching going to start? And, you know, I mean, that's, yeah, look, you know, if we can meet, then, you know, there's no reason why the coaching can't start. So, uh, yeah, I've got players chomping at the bits. Just, yeah, we're all desperate to get back at it now. So, it's, uh, yeah, come on, BJ. <laughs> so, uh, let's get, let's get sorted. Let's get back out there. So, uh, at least the golf keeping is busy there. Well, yeah. Well, you say that, but there's only one event, yeah. so <laughs> there's a bit to talk about. But there's only one event, um, and I find that you know it's, it's kind of a little bit weird, really. Um, I don't know that we've, you know, we've got, um, we got, are we used to this. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it just a bit odd. I don't think you know. I thought we had other events. Um, in Europe, I think there's one next week, isn't there? Um, in Europe, I think they're, um, yeah, because it's the W World Golf Championship, isn't it? Next week, and then I'll, I'll, I'll have a look through my research and see if there's any, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's just a little, but I tell you what, you know, you still get a great tournament when you go to Riviera. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it finished quite early as well because, um, you know, relative to the fact that obviously we're eight hours behind from us, but, you know, it was uh, great to be able to watch it some reasonable time, get back, get to bed without going at sort of one o'clock in the morning. But mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was, uh, you know, an exceptional tournament. Obviously, they're not used to links golf, proper links golf. Well, they can't play in the wind. I could bring him in off the course. Uh, <laughs> that was, mind you, some putt that caused the hooter to go off, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, you know, and 
the biggest challenge of all when you've got wing, you know, both, I saw a load of tweets over the, over Sunday um, talking about the fact that obviously they pulled it. You know, it's just a wee breeze in Scotland. Um, and on a links course, you know, that, that is literally it. I mean, you know, we've seen Open Championships played in much, much more severe winds. Yeah. But of course, Open Championships, when they know the winds are coming, and we do, we've got the weather forecasts, you know, we're not going to have the greens running at 12 on the stim. And, you know, and plus the fact the grasses are different. So the grasses on the links course are much more wiry. And, um, you know, again, that offers its extra resistance. Um, so you're going to be around about 25, 30 mile an hour gusts before, you know, you see the ball moving around. Mm. Whereas, in, you know, sort of, well... It was just, it was quite fascinating, actually. Mm. I thought it was quite amusing, especially a pot on the tent, which is kind of interesting. Tricky hole, um, get it on the green, you're quite happy. Two putts from wherever you are on the green, you're extremely happy. Mm. Um, one putt between two bunkers um, to leave yourself an uphill into the wind chip shot for your fourth shot is... Um, <laughs> It's not quite the way that you have it planned. No. What, what do you what do you think of the, the hole with the bunker in the middle of the green? What are your thoughts on that? Is that oh yeah, I love that too. I think you know that especially at the level these guys are playing at, if you can't pull the right club and hit it in the right section at that level, and I'm saying that the recreational golfer is gonna uh enjoy it, but at that level, um I think it's great. I think it, you know, I'd love to see more courses like that. The only problem with more courses being like that, of course, is that people will take divots out of the green on those front side sections. Um, and I would, you know, if I if I had to play the shot, I mean, I wouldn't want it to, you know, um, you know, if I was having to play a, a flop shot, it would be, there'd be a nick out of the green. So I'm not saying a divot is the size of my arm, but, you know, it's only a short shot. But there will be people that go in there and get a great stabbing, you know, shot. And of course, that grass isn't quite as deep rooted and subsequently it would not bind and you end up with all sorts of chunk marks out of it so it'd be kind of interesting to see what that green looks like after the club championship or something (laughs) um you know instead of you know sort of 150 golfers through it that are not tour players have got control over the distances and the direction that they're hitting it in so um yeah but i like that you know like and and 282 yard par fours brilliant perfect you know because you know we see ridiculous numbers on there you know we've seen triple bogeys i don't know what the highest score was this weekend i've not caught the stats um just yet but you know i would imagine there was an eight there was something you know there's normally a quadruple bogey or more uh on that hole even you know in a tour jump tour uh, event like that so it's a it's it's a great golf course it stood the test of time. I don't know that it's got an awful lot more real estate that can extend, but, but it just shows you it doesn't have to. Is it winning score 12 under par in a playoff? Mm. I mean, that's most times it's very, very rarely that high. You know, um, the playing conditions were exceptional. All right, we had the wind, um, you know, but it, it finds players out. That's the beauty about it. You know, and a good golf course should do that. Major uh, championship venue as well. I know it's been in the past, but could it could it host a US Open? Uh, again, you know, mm. it's, it's it's done the US Open before, so yeah. Um, I, I I think it's a terrific venue for that. You've only got to grow that rough in and up 
a touch to, to shoot, to, to bring in level par. Turn it from 71 to 70, there's four shots off the par, that's 12 becomes eight. You grow that rough up to six inches, you know, and narrow those fairways because the slopes on the fairways as well causes the player to, if he's looking for an advantage, you know, he's going to, he wants to run the ball down the fairways um, for distance. But then that means that your fairways are, are narrower, you know, because you're, you're not turning the ball into the slope to hold it. So, you know, they can run off or the runoff areas, you put the ball, you know, the grass thicker. You know, I mean, I've not, not thought about it. I haven't given it any thought whatsoever. But, you know, the way I would set up a US Open there is, you know, on the high side of the fairway, you know, four to five inch rough. And on the low side of the fairway, 10 inches. <laughs> you know, the premiums that you, you hit it left to get the bounce, you know, on the left to right slope or the left, you know, left to right hole. You hit it like 18, you get it stuck on the left hand side there. You could be going in with a, you know, six iron mm -hmm. because the ball isn't going to bounce 30 yards. So if you're going in with a six iron out of four inches of rough, five inches of rough, you know, then the penalty is there. I remember a number of years ago, I was at the Belfry, I was working on the greens there. Um, for the green, you know, the course as a part of the ground staff. And we had the English Open uh, there. It was 1989. Um, so we've got Ryder Cup coming in September. This was June time, if I remember rightly. Um, it may have been end of May, but it was, you know, sort of around that time. Grass is growing like wildfire. And, you know, we, uh, Neil Coles was on the players' committee at the time. Um, and he said, you're going to have to cut the rough down on some of the holes because the penalty for hitting the ball into four inches of rough is the same as hitting it into 12 inches of rough. The only difference is you can find it in four inches. So at four o'clock in the morning, we were mowing. We'd all got our cars lined up with our headlights on. We were mowing banks, which had got, you know, 12 inches of rough on because the fairways were too hard for us to, for the players to keep the ball on the fairway. And it just meant that, you know, the golf course became, you know, unplayable. Now, of course, you know, a few days later when you've got all the spectators treading that down, that hay becomes flattened and you, you know, the ball can get underneath it, you know, and you just don't find it. So, you know, that was the reason behind it, you know, and we, we got the rough cut at around about four inches and the course was playable. And, you know, but I remember Monday, Monday afternoon, you know, just being summoned to, right, who's on who's on the early shift? We're already on early shift anyway, but whoever's on the early shift, you know, who wants to come in and start mowing these banks down? <laughs> so, you know, and we've, you know, we've seen it in the odd event before where they've gone along and, you know, they've took the top off the rough on a Monday. And, you know. Well, even, even at Riviera, weren't they? They were watering the greens because they were getting that firm. Yeah, you can. I mean, you do have to play. You have to make the course... It, you have to make the course playable or allow the course to be playable. That's the first thing, you know, and then you have to be fair. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, golf courses can be fair, but tough, you know, and, and that's the type of venue that Riviera always is. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, obviously plays a premium finding premium for finding fairways. You can't just bludgeon it out there, you know, and, and gouge it on um, because you can't get close to the flags if you're on the wrong side and miss it. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great fair golf course. I, I can't remember exactly how long it is, but um, it's obviously long enough. 
But you know, saying that, look at the wedge shot that Max Homer hit into the last on the, on the last round. I mean, it's a wedge. It's you know that was fives and six irons is back in the day. So, um, but again, very 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 firm fairways and the ball's running out 60, 70, 80 yards. It's um, it is going to make the golf course easier if you can find the fairway. Go on, Andy, have a guess. How, how, how long is Riviera? Riviera, I've just six nine. Just yes, well done, six nine fifty. It is. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was under seven hundred seven thousand. So, um, it yeah, just it, shows, doesn't it? Just shows. Doesn't have to be seven thousand five hundred yards. No, no. And you know, you know, we've said this before, but I think if you can get the players putting a bit more spin on the ball, you know. Yes. You add a bit of loft to the drivers, so they're forced to play with a club that's, um, you know, putting more spin on it. Stops the golf ball, stops them from hitting the golf ball. You know, this low running shot when the fairways are firm, it stops them from swinging off, you know, at seven degrees and launching it out there with 1500 spin. You know, you can, um, you know, at 130, 40 mile an hour clubhead speeds, you, you know, you can restrict things very, very quickly if you get that locked up. So, yeah, well, it shows, doesn't it, with, with Max Homer? I know DJ's got one in the bag. He's they both got seven woods, and he's the first player on the PGA Tour to win with a seven wood. And he's I couldn't believe that stat. I mean, I, I found that very difficult I, 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 to, to get my head around. Um, I remember Lee Trevino having a six wood a number of years ago. Um, and I would have thought, um, you know, players would have embraced the seven wood. So somebody would have embraced the seven wood. I think, um, you know, I remember uh, great wood, fairway wood players back in the day, Hale Irwin, uh, Corey Pavin. These guys used to used to get that golf ball out there, um, you know, decent enough. I mean, Corey Pavin wasn't the longest hitter, but played incredible shots with a fairway wood. So I'm surprised that, you know, somewhere along the line, a seven wood hasn't been in the bag uh, of a winner in the past. However, of course, what is a seven wood? Yeah, it I'm is a number on the end of the club. What's the loft on the end of the club? Probably about 21, which used to be a five wood back in the day. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it comes, comes down to it. What's the number on the bottom of the club? You know, and I think I have uh, DJ's got one. Um, and he's saying he's hitting it 245 yards. I mean, please. Andy, you're spot um, on there. There's uh, the seven wood in Homer's bag, TS, um, TSI 2, 21 degree. Yeah. So, you know, look, it says seven, you know, back in the day. It's a seven wood. It is because that's what it says on it. But, it, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day, that, that, was a, um, that was a five wood. And, um, you know, we've just changed the numbers to make them work. But, you know, it, we, know we all know that the numbers don't really correlate to what, we're, what we're used to. So, um, but again, you know, it's, great, it's a great club. I remember Callaway coming out with the Heavenwood oh, back in the day. Heavenwood head, if I remember rightly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Heavenwood, brilliant. What a, what a way to, you know, what a great use of, of words but you know like i say you've got a slightly longer shaft a smaller head able to dig it out the rough able to get it out of bunkers it's a terrific club you know it's um you had one in the bag and before sorry have you had one in the bag before seven wood mm. yeah 
Yeah, very much so. I had a top flight intimidator, seven wood. That's a, a good name. Good name, that is. Yeah, it was. I mean, it had an aerofoil underneath the back of the club. So, you know, as it got into the ground, it wouldn't dig in, mm. um, you know, but it would guide the clubs in a straight, a little bit like the Cobra Rail um, clubs that they've got. But this, this thing used to hang as an aerofoil. It hung down. The bottom of the club was there. This thing used to hang down on it. I've still got it. Um, it's been a long time since it's been in the bag, primarily because it sits shut with this aerofoil on. And what it does, it gets your hands in front. Now, it replaced my three iron. So I've never had a three iron in the bag since I had it. But And it replaced the three iron with a guaranteed shot of 220 yards. But I always hit it right to left. I could never cut it in. And of course, you know, then you've got to, well, you know, what do you do? How do you play the shot? And um, I remember playing golf with a friend of mine, um, you know, back in the day, you know, we're playing at Kings Norton and the 18th on the, uh, or the ninth on the red, which was our 18th hole, uh, uphill par five, nearly 600 yards, just, you know, ridiculous length of, you know, fairly normal these days, but we stood on the tiger tee and, um, We'd all hit really good drives, really good drives. And um, the lad I'm playing with used to be a, a junior and an assistant there. And he said, I've never got up this hole in two with a drive and an iron. And I get up to the ball and I've got 215 yards to the flag and I'm like, seven wood. But then I remembered what had been said. Now, he couldn't get up with his driving two iron or whatever it was. You know, he tried to get up there with a two iron and, you know, he was still 20 yards short. And I got a good drive away, so I was a few yards ahead of him. Um, I won't mention him. Mm-hmm. It, it, is a, it is a little embarrassing. But uh, I decided to cut a two iron in. I, could have, I thought I could have got there with a four iron, I'll be honest with you. But I, I, I was a, it was a seven wood all day long. I mean, it was just straight out seven wood. But with him saying he's never got up there with a drive and an iron, I just had to do it. So, yeah, not just... Not the two iron, little cutty two iron into the green, part of the green, two putt birdie. Just had to be done. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the go-to club, the go-to club on long par fives, uh, sorry, long par fours, mm. uh, long par threes, you know, was that seven? It was a ridiculously club. I mean, you know, if I'm playing against somebody, you know, and I pulled the seven wood out, it was like, you know, the, that was... Because they knew it was on the green. I mean, it, it was literally, um, it was the postman club. You know, are we going to are we going to see more where these kind of golfers making a revival? Seven woods, nine woods, that type of thing. Do you think? Uh, I mean, we do. I mean, oh, I don't know. I mean, it's a good question because hybrids. I've looked at it, you know, and if, I've looked at trying to get a seven wood back in the bag. So yeah, you know because it was such a good club for me but the hybrids do such a good job as well without the stall now to get the right shaft in it so um it, you know but the seven wood is a great club i mean i'd, I'd happily put a seven wood back in the bag if i could find the club the trouble is with me is that you know i've got a three iron a hybrid and a seven wood if i did that that would mm. all three clubs are going more or less the same distance mm. so i've got a drop you know, I've got to drop a couple of those. I mean, with the hybrid, I can choke down on it and, and effectively get two clubs out of it. 
so I can get a softer shot into the green, uh, whereas the three iron's not doing that, um, unless I'm teeing it up. So if I'm hitting a shot into the green, want to hit a low shot, then the three iron's perfect for it, because it is a driving iron, so it's a hybrid iron. Um, seven wood, you know, what would it do? You know, would I be as comfortable hitting the seven wood off the tee, you know, possibly going to balloon up a little bit? But I would, I would, I'd probably replace the hybrid with the seven wood if I was going to do it. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I have looked at it and it's, um, they, they are, they're such a versatile club, but then so is the hybrid if you get the right loft anyway. So. Yeah, I'm gonna stoke. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stoke the fire now. I'm just gonna mention one name, Tony Fino. Go, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, oh, it's frustrating. Oh my word, I've said it how many times now? It is frustrating. That guy's got so much talent from tee to green, but he needs kind of like. He needs to shove this putter up his ass. I think is the most important. I think that if he did that, he might stand half a chance. Uh, oh man, I tell you, <laughs> I know I'll put a smile on a few faces and a cringe on one or two as well. And you know, I do apologise for being slightly crass on that, but or very crass. But you know, I, yeah, I mean, I'd just love to get a hold of him for a few days. He, he, he's putting without a clue. He's, he's trying to find something that's not there. And he looks at Dunty's. He looks needs very direction. uncomfortable. Looks very oh, uncomfortable. Massively. I mean, short of being, well, short, <laughs> short of being six foot five. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a, you know, ironic statement. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, he's a tall fellow and he's always going to struggle to find a club that fits him properly if the manufacturers are not into buying, you know, making clubs the appropriate length. And we've said it that many times. You know, we're at our 35th podcast and, you know, I'll probably say it again next week. If the putter's not the right length, the player can't posture to it properly. If you can't posture to it properly, you can't move your body. And if you can't move your body, you're putting with your hands. Tony's got to now, standing further away from it, using a 34-inch putter and hacking across the golf ball. I mean, you know, I just don't know where it goes. Um, oh, we, we heard on the tally cast, didn't we? We're talking about kind of Fino and his, his woes, but arguably probably one of the best players ever, changing his putter setup to kind of suit his ability, ailments, everything else at the moment. So what, what are your thoughts on that? What Tiger said at the weekend, Andy? Well, I think it's, you know, it just shows that people don't sit down and do nothing during their off periods. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that we've, we can track how many times Tigers listen to us um, talk about the length of putter and how important it is to us, especially if you've got a bad back. So maybe he's just, you know, had a little bit of a, a search in there and gone like, oh, mm -hmm. um, Andy Gorman said I need to length of my putter. Um, yeah, you know, I think it was quite refreshing. At the end of the day, he's been alluding to it for a while now, um, mm -hmm. you know, at least six months. In fact, actually, I know it's longer than that, but... He actually put one in his bag, didn't he? A longer mm -hmm. one. So he, what he's what he's suggesting there is nothing really new. Um, but I think what you'll find is he's done it to his old putter. He's yeah. done it to his gamer. Um, uh, that's the one he feels most comfortable with. Albeit the new one will be specced up exactly the same. It has the adjustable weights. But of course, what's also happened is that you know by lengthening the club, however long he's gone. Um, 
you know, he's he's going to increase the, the effective swing weight of the putter. So it's going to feel a little heavier to him. And I think you'll like that, um, you know, because he is, you know, it, does, it feels good when you do that. Mm. I, I think his putter's only about 335 weight anyway. Um, the original putters were, were not... Um, were not that heavy so it'd be 330 to 335 i don't think it'll be any heavier than that um and um it's only the newer ones that have got up to sort of you know 340s and 350s so of course his new one he can adjust it to whatever weights he wants so he can go up or down but um you know his, his gamer is just by lengthening it whatever that might be um what do you think it, what are you predicting what do you think it'll be Lengthwise, it won't be far short of 36, and the reason why I say that is because I'm pretty sure Tiger's using clubs that are a fraction longer than standard. Mm -hmm. What standard? So we don't know what standard really is. If standard is standard, then a sand iron, he is sand iron, so he's not saying lob wedge, he's saying sand iron, which will be his 56, would have be would be around about 35 and a quarter to 35 and a half. Mm -hmm. Um. If he's using half inch longer than standard, that's going to get up around about 36. I would, you know, Tiger's got really long arms. So as much as somebody here's height would be around about 36 and a half ordinarily, if you were fitting off a static fitting based on um, my principles, um, I would expect it to be under 36 just because he's got such long arms. So the, you know, static measurement goes off height to start, then wrist to ground, you know, and then, you know, we ultimately, you know, we determine the length of the club on the basis that you stand tall in, in posture, get yourself nice and comfortable holding the, the putter in your trail hand and, um, you know, whatever length you need to fill in with, with the top hand, uh, you adjust the club to. It doesn't matter what length it is, as long as you're posturing well. And what Tiger doesn't need to do is to create any extension in his lumbar spine. In, uh, sorry, any flexion in his lumbar spine, he needs to maintain that flexion. So, oh, get it right for a second. He needs to extend, <laughs> create, maintain the extension. Anything that's going to cause that lumbar spine to lose the, the natural inward curve, as soon as it starts to straighten, because he, he, you know, he's not rounding it, but as soon as it starts to straighten, he loses that effectiveness. And that's where he'll you know, start to miss the putts that you know, he would have ordinarily hold. He'll be able to stand to the putter um, and practice for a good lengthy period of time as well, which will be great, um, which for him will then give him his confidence because he'll feel like he can do his reps using his term. So, um, you know, it looks like he's, 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 I would say he's probably struggling with his rehab at this point in time, just from what I can see. Um, yeah. Seems, he seems a guy who just wants to get out there he wants to compete he wants to practice the way he's always practiced and it must be frustrating for somebody of that stature well let's just relate it to where we are at the moment where mm -hmm. we can't go and play so our frustration levels are boiling over now and he's he's got remember he's got one eye he's got seven weeks to be ready to compete at the masters that's seven weeks to go from rehab no golf balls for probably seven weeks early on he had surgery done before Christmas, I think, if I remember rightly. So he's gone seven weeks already um, since hitting the golf ball. And, you know, he's so he's going to go three months barely hitting the golf ball to trying to stripe it out there. I, if I was a betting man, I'd say he doesn't play. 
Yeah. I'm not so sure he can go into that tournament. I don't think he's ever missed a cut there, has he? No, I don't think so. I'm not so sure he can go into that tournament without playing at least the week before. Yeah. Just, I just can't see it. And at the same time, I can't see that he'll be able to get up to speed um, to be competitive in in five weeks. Mm. He's not even out there. As he said, he's not had his MRI yet to see whether he's healed. So, um, yeah, it's difficult. You know, I, I know. I know what the issues are with the back. I know what it what, what happens. I mean, I've you know, I've been down with two back injuries in the last three weeks. I mean, that's I know what it's. I know the pain, and I know what he can and can't do when you're in that pain. He's not. He shouldn't be in pain, but he's going through rehab, so he's you know he's got to make sure his scars are, are healed um, before he can start to get into any kind of speeds. And he hasn't got many. I'm just looking at the schedule now. He hasn't got many decent chances, really, because WGC to match play on the 24th of March. Um, there's the, the the Valero Texas Open on the 1st of April, and then the 8th of April is the Masters. So he hasn't he hasn't got much competitive golf between now and then to actually get game ready. He'll have to play the Valero, mm. even if it is just a couple of rounds, you know. Yeah. Um, because he's going to have, he's got. I don't. I don't think. I think Tiger's more likely to pull out of the Masters if he can't get. If he feels like he's a week away from being able to 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 get hitting golf balls properly, I don't think he'll go into the Masters cold. Yeah. Just he won't want to he, make a fool of himself, will he? He won't want to go there. To it's, it's, it's not. It's not so much that. I think you have to put yourself under the gun. To find out what you what you're capable of physically, um, you, you know, and and back injuries are not something that you can just come straight back after. This isn't an injury. This is surgery. Mm. An injury is something that you don't come back and rush out off. You know, off. Um, this is surgery. It's, you know, and I, I look. I may have. I'm a pretty good judge of character. That doesn't mean I get it right all the time, but. I I saw Tiger pained by his lack of progress. I thought he, I I think he would have wanted to be hitting golf balls right now. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, even if it is just the softest of pitch shots, mm. you know, just to get some kind of movement in there, you know, and he's not even up to proper speed in terms of the gym, as he said. You know, he's not even doing proper reps; he's just doing rehab stuff. Um, you can see, you know, he's massively frustrated. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he plays in the Masters, which, are, you know, which is a massive disappointment to everybody, but more so to Tiger. Because, you know, he's running out of time. Exactly. It's the one event that he knows he can compete on a fairly level playing field as soon as he gets the chance. Mm. Um, and, you know, it just, it's, you know, it's a shame. Yeah, really is. I want to talk a little bit about new product. Um, it's been made kind of quite apparent the last few weeks about new putters that have been coming out to market. For me, Andy, they all look very, very similar. This kind <laughs> of this rectangle shape with two fins coming off the back of them. What are your thoughts? I think you've just nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, they are looking very samey. Um, you know, if we look at 
uh, you know, the last couple of years, definitely. Um, the Futura series from Scotty, mm -hmm. the wingman from Tour Edge and, you know, the, the 10 from uh, even roll and you look at, you know, sort of Bettinardi's and, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're all going that way. I mean, Callaway's obviously, you know, part of the, the Toulon. Sorry? And Odyssey, because Joe Toulon went from TaylorMade, didn't he, to, to Odyssey, so he's yeah. taking the spider design with him. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and I mean, I quite like the, the, the two ball 10. I think, they, you know, I think that's, you know, I get that putter. I get that design. I, I like it. I prefer the shaft in the middle, as as you know, but, you know, that, that may or may not come. If a few tour players ask for it, they'll make it. But, you know. It's... Why aren't they going down that route, Andy? Because that, that always bemuses me because I used to love um... – Scotty did the red X putter with the centre shaft. That was probably one of my best putters I've ever had in my bag. Yeah. Um, I think it's the best kept secret, mm -hmm. um, personally. Um, look, you know, Robo putt's ready. So, you know, we're going to be testing over the next few weeks or so. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to put my neck on the block and say I'm five weeks away from coaching, I think. Um, so I've got five weeks of, of testing so we're testing new shafts, including the one step, you know, carbon Mac, CT putter, you know, stroke lab. We've got, you know, we're primarily a shaft testing pro uh, program that we're doing. Um, but at the same time, also, we're, you know, we're going to be testing what happens to certain putter head designs and why certain putter head designs are the way that they are you know what's the benefits of having a shaft in the heel with the shaft pointing you know the, the bend pointing towards the sweet spot uh, over a, a shaft in the in the sweet spot and um you know i want to be able to find that answer um and and then be able to articulate it because ultimately you know i think there's plenty of folk can tell you what they feel the answer is but you know not necessarily be able to articulate it from the data that's collected why 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 i think it's looks i think you know golf manufacturers are telling us what they want us to play ultimately because if you don't you know if you don't design it then the player's not necessarily going to ask for it mm -hmm. um you know so there is an element of that and you know my cynical head says that if you're if you release the best kept secret then people aren't going to buy a new putter yeah <laughs> but again, you know, it can be the best kept secret in the world. And if a player doesn't like the look of it, then again, at the same time, I would be the one that says, if you don't like the look of it, don't play it because you've got to be able to like the look of it. You know, we've talked about it before, you know, and, you know, the first and, first and foremost thing about the putter is that you're going to look down at it. If you don't put very well, you're going to look at it 40 times. And if you do put well, you're going to look at it 25 times. And the best you're going to do with any other club in your bag is 10, 15 times, mm. you know, that that's it. So, you know, still going to use it two to two and a half times more often um, than any other club, minimum, uh, than any other club in the bag. So you've got to like the look of it. And if you don't, then, you, you know, you, your, your tenure with that club is going to be uh, a fairly short one because you're always going to be looking for something that looks better. Yeah. No matter how well it performs. You know, you're always going to convince yourself that something better looking is going to perform better. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. It's just very frustrating when you've got, obviously you've got like nine different designs in this new 10 model and none of them are are even an option of of a center shafted option. I just don't get it. Yeah. It's interesting that they've come up with a 10 series and I've only got nine putters. Yeah. What's the the 10 stand for? Exactly. Um, You know, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, well, you you were on a call you were privy to a call a couple you know a week or so ago mm-hmm. you know where i spoke to one of the leading manufacturers and said have you not got any center shafty putters and they said mm-hmm. yeah 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 we have i said well don't bring anything unless you bring the center shafty putters with you mm-hmm. uh well okay i'm gonna have to get them in then you know because the, he hasn't even got them for demo well how are you going to sell them if you don't show them exactly and that that comes down to manufacturers and come necessarily down to rep that comes down to manufacturers supplying that product. They don't believe that it's going to sell or they don't want it to sell. You know, what is it? You know, what are they holding back? For me, I think the center shafted putter is the best kept secret. The reason why is because you're swinging the sweet spot. You know, if you can swing the sweet spot, which is right at the end of the shaft, you swing the shaft in plane, you keep the sweet spot in plane. Mm-hmm. All other shafts are moving and your sweet spot's further away. Now, look, we know that every other golf club, the sweet spot is a couple of inches in front of the shaft. Mm. If you just look at your golf club and, the, you know, look at the driver, look at an iron, you know, that the shaft goes into the heel. But you are given the opportunity by the rules of golf to be able to have the shaft in line with the sweet spot or the sweet spot in line with the shaft. Now, you mm. figure out which one's better, but ultimately you're swinging the shaft. Yeah. And if you can swing the shaft with the sweet spot at the end of it, it's more much easier to keep the sweet spot moving in that plane of movement that controls the face and the strike. I mean, talking of sweet spots, you know, let's go back to the tournament, you know, missing a, missing a putt on a sweet spot or missing the sweet spot, you know, it has a massive effect on the start line. Yeah. And it may not appear that it's doing anything significant, but on the 18th green yesterday afternoon, over at Riviera, you know, there was a three foot putt to win the tournament before a playoff had an opportunity to, mm-hmm. to be extending the play. And, you know, it caught the hole, but it started two inches too far left. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there was a little under read in the break or it didn't get hit firm enough because it wasn't a great stroke, even though one of the commentators said there was nothing wrong with the stroke. Mm-hmm. But, it, but the strike for a start, he said there's nothing wrong with the stroke and nothing wrong with the strike. Well, you know, I can't tell you how many times I played it back last night and it still didn't come out of the sweet spot. Um, and it came out of the heel. So, you know, the air of caution on a right to left putt is you hit it towards the toe so that the face is going to be opening slightly, not closing. Mm. You know, either way, you want that golf club to be square at the point of impact because we know it influences 90% of the start line. So, you know, it was a missed strike. The, the path looked like it was a little bit left. The line looked like it was a little bit too straight. It combined towards that now, you know, towards a miss. Thankfully, from his perspective, it didn't cost him the tournament. It put him through a little bit of extra sweat, but, you know, um, and, he, and he played the, t- the two playoff holes extremely well. But, you know, he kind of, he didn't, he didn't win it. In effect, he had a chance to win it and he didn't win it. It was gifted to him because there was an error in there. Um, again, you know, back to the frustration of 
tiny fino <laughs> on and around. We'll get there one day, Andy, even if we have to go and like placard on the side of the 18th green at Royal St. George's. Listen, I, I could have relied upon you to do that at one point in time, um, but unfortunately, you've pulled the wool under that. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? Um, mm. You know, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, like I say, you know, I, I think if there was one player I felt I could really help, you know, right now, it would be Tony Fino. Because Tita Green, he's immense. He's absolutely Oh, my word. I mean, you know, if you got the opportunity to work with that level of talent, knowing what you can do with him on the greens, mm-hmm. yeah, that guy's a world beater. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't got weakness. Um, he has, you know, there are times where he hits shots that are challenging. Mm-hmm. to you like like the second playoff hole i mean he's missed it 40 50 feet mm-hmm. left of the target i mean that's a huge miss at that level um and an easy you know an easy miss he doesn't want to miss it too far to the right because he's going to leave himself up but he's you know there's a ridge in the green that helps the ball in mm-hmm. um get it in the middle of the green and force the other player to dial it in close mm-hmm. you know force him to make two but don't make four you know, on, on a dangerous hole, that's the only way to play match play. And, you know, my stroke play record was okay, but my match play record, I was tough to beat. Mm. You know, so, you know, match play is actually, you know, a really, really strategic game. And, you know, I was a better match player than I was a stroke player. Mm. You know, it's, um, it, it, you know, I loved all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to know what to do to make it happen. You know, exactly. So, it's fine if he doesn't learn by September, then Europe have got a few points in the bag. Oh yeah, I don't mind that putting <laughs> stroke breaking down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, because yeah. there'd be a dilemma, wouldn't it? You get a phone call just before the Ryder Cup, and <laughs> how much do you help the one of, the, uh, uh, you know, one of the opposition? Uh, it wouldn't be a dilemma. Whoever's paying gets the gets the uh, gets the rewards. To be honest, so um, yeah, I wouldn't hold anything back if you wanted that. You know, if he wanted his, if he wanted the help to win multiple tournaments this year, mm. he's only going to pick up the phone. Tony, come on, it's about time. Whoever pick you up are, the phone. Andy, yeah, bro, pick it up. Um, you know, we're there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it. It's you know, so so frustrating because mm. it's not it's not a challenging fix either. No, you know, it's not a challenging fix. You know, keeping it there, sustaining it, you know, working with players who are, you know, prone to changing a lot, you know, that there would be an element of sustaining. Um, the biggest challenge wouldn't be making the changes, it would be sustaining the changes, mm-hmm. making sure that they stick and making sure the player doesn't, it would be a 24-7 job, yeah. um, you know, to make sure that that happens. But, um, you know, and, and certainly in the first instance, it would be a very intense scenario but it, you know it don't he wouldn't be the first player that i've done that with um you know and if you want to see a four shot improvement per round then that's you know on the greens but, yeah to be fair there's some decent stats this week this week too but um you know you can't go by stats you just gotta go by the numbers you know stats are only as good as the numbers back in backing them up and at the end of the day his numbers don't back him up well enough so it's yeah, it's, it's 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 frustrating. Back to the putters. I mean, you know, yeah. Come on, guys, we want something new, <laughs> something new, something fresh. Um, you know, and 
you know, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what I do behind the scenes. You know that I'm not resting on my laurels. You know, we've got new, we've got three new training aids coming out at the end of March, just before I'll be just at the start of the golf season. Mm -hmm. stroke training aids, so that'll take us up to five products, and uh, I'm looking forward to to being able to showcase those. Um, you know, we're doing some filming a bit later this week, so you know it's going to keep us busy. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm I'm. So, stoked for being able to have the products going forward that are going to help the players the most um going forward as well because at the end of the day you know we we all want to be able to produce a more effective putting stroke more um you know improved statistics on and around the greens so um, yeah yeah so uh so it's the fastest way you know to see an improvement it's mm -hmm. it really is and especially if you're a recreational golfer yeah. you know so uh um, you know, we've uh, we've got some changes afoot. I'm going to throw it out there. All right, there's uh, there's only going to be one of us on a podcast going forward, um, and and if that person is the one talking, then uh, purely and simply because I have to say congratulations, Gareth, for your new role working with the PGA um, Education Centre um side of things so uh it, it, it's we will elaborate a little bit more on next week's um show because you know ultimately it will be your uh it will be your swan song um even if it isn't mine but um 36 we, though andy 36 podcast that'll be yeah two full rounds so uh you survive Pretty much every one of them, I think. I've made the I've made the cut. I've made the cut. <laughs> oh yeah, actually, you've ducked out. You withdrew, so you've got the WD on the end of yours. So yeah, we'll have to see whether Andy Gorman has a WD as well. Um, but yeah, now going forward, uh, obviously there'll be some changes going forward into uh, round three and whatever that's going to look like. We haven't decided as yet. Um, feel free to tell us uh, what you'd like to see and um, we'll endeavour to make sure it happens. What you've also got to be mindful of is that on top of everything else, uh, what my wingman takes up an awful lot of my slack and unfortunately I no longer have him around. So, um, you know, I will uh, we'll be giving a lot of thought over the next week or so as to where we go and how we take Andy Gorman golf going forward. But more, much more important than that is that... Uh, you know, I trust that you will enjoy your new role at the PGA. And I have to say a huge thank you for everything that you've done so far. It's not the only one, it's not the last one. And we will do something going forward as well, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, we will, uh, like I say, all of us, on behalf of all of us, the yeah. thanks for the work that you've done for Andy Gorman Golf. Because it wouldn't be, Andy Gorman Golf wouldn't be where it is today without what you've put in in the last 18 months. So uh, that's a huge thank you. So, uh, thanks, Paul. Appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, and uh, we'll see you next week.